0: So uh, I want to welcome you to uh, um, our four-week study. Um, my name is Mark Herlbert and uh, just really thrilled to have you guys all in the class. Um, there are a number of people who have signed up, um, probably all in, about 12, and I usually end up with some people that um, didn't sign up that come, uh, which is fine too, and so on any given week, um, there might be a week where you um, can't make it for for whatever reason, you know, just schedules are schedules. Um, love to have you um, each possible, but if you can't for any reason, I'll be uh, sending out an email to the people who I know of that are on the sign-up list to, to, to send them uh, the audio um, and outline online and the specific PowerPoints that tie to that particular week so that you can... Go through it yourself um, and not feel like you're behind or something. Makes sense to everybody? Yeah? All right, let's uh, open our time in prayer. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for um, just the opportunity to um, study your word. Um, Father, forgive us when we don't um, have it um, just uh, central in our thinking and central in our um, decision-making and central in our hope. Father, as we go through these next... F- Four weeks father we ask that your hand would be upon everything we talk about I pray that um, you would um, ignite um, just a, an eternal flame that would burn white hot bright because of this um, glass in each of our lives father I pray that you would uh, use it um, for your purposes I, I pray that you would sift each one of our hearts as a result of going through our time together Pray that it would encourage our hearts um, substantively, and Father, I pray that it would um, set uh, set ablaze the impact we want to have through each one who is in this class. Father, may uh, your purposes realized as results receive the glory that is only due your name's name. Amen. Um, well, good. Uh, so, kind of the, uh, the the process each week will be if you can, if, you're po- if it's possible to get here just a couple minutes early, that will help to uh, maximize the time we actually have in the class. Uh, and so each week, there will be some type of uh, uh, introductory questions to kind of start to work through those and. If you're, I call it a running head start from a thought process perspective for the particular class that we're going to have. Um, tremendously excited about uh, being able to spend the time together with you. Um, God has sovereignly ordained you to be in this class for whatever reason. I'm excited about that. Um, and so um, I pray that he will use it um, for his purposes in your own heart and in your own lives. And... Um, um, it was ten years ago. So, what's the date for? Being... Oh, the last week, a week ago, it was It was 10, ten years ago that I started this class. Um, and it was, a, uh, it, it literally was, um, one of most important classes, uh, that I've taught. I always say that about almost every one of them, but it, it really was, um, you know, we, we, we look at the scriptures and we ask the question, and I'm going to talk about that right now, um, as far as um, having heaven fall off our radar screens in the church, why do you think that that is? First of all, do you think that that's true? Um, how many here have ever actually had a class or or a s- sermon series on heaven? Uh, raise your hand. Okay. Okay. But not too often, right? Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's not too often. I It's hard for me to remember. I think hell falls off the radar. Yeah, probably, probably, Um, and so why do you think that is? What? Why do you think that is? Maybe we just don't know so much about it, so little about it. Okay, it's a good, good answer. Are afraid to? Yeah, I think that absolutely is 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 one of the answers. It's really, really, really sad. and so I hope to kind of reframe that for you today, substantively, if possible. Um, any other thoughts? So let me get this straight. You, th- you said like one or two last series? series? Or a study. Okay, a and, and a study. Marty. I think did it when we had something okay. kind on of <sighs> On Heaven, yeah. Which, which is interesting. You can't find that book anymore, right? right. Well, <laughs> yeah. I probably gave it away yeah, 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 yeah. Or or yeah. What's the name of that one? It's heaven. I, I think it's just okay. heaven. Yeah, I, think, yeah, heaven. I think so. Um, but so let me get this straight. Like, like, like we. This is, there's 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 only like four parts of anybody's worldview. Everybody has a worldview. Okay, so maybe jot this down. Everybody has a worldview. Um, First is uh, where I came from. Second is what's right and wrong. Third is why I'm here. And four is where I'm going. Every single person has an answer to all four of these questions. They're the most important questions in life. We're saying that after we come to Christ, like we have only... Half of the room hasn't had any teaching really on it. Half of the room has had maybe a class or two on what I I would think is kind of an important thing. Does that make sense? I mean, so what we end up talking a lot about is, well, yeah, yeah, we're going to heaven, going to heaven. But what is heaven? So let me ask you that question. Like, what is heaven? Okay. Other believers. Where, what is it now? Okay, in this life. Right. Yeah. Okay. 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 Isn't that an interesting question? Like, like, like this is a fundamental question. Like, what is heaven? A new heaven and a new earth. Okay. 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 Good. Okay. So, so let's answer this really clearly. It's where God is chooses to be. So when I say that obviously I'm not I'm not I'm not taking into consideration his omnipresence, okay? So just want to make that clear. But it's where God has chosen to be and dwell. Okay, that's going to become important for us in the future as we think about that, okay? So um but where where am I going is is a fundamental question about Um, that everybody that lives, your friends that are believers, your friends that are non-believers, has some kind of an answer to this. And they come up with their answers somehow, some way. And there's usually only three ways to come up with answers in this life. Okay? One is look within. What do we call this? So it's looking inside myself for an answer. What, what kind of is that? Okay, we call it mysticism. Mysticism. Okay? But mysticism is looking within myself to try to find an answer. Everybody you talk to, you know what the great news is? You can open up a, a conversation with them about any one of these four things, and everybody's got, everybody's got something that they believe about, something here. And if they don't, they should. Right? Purpose is huge. Morality is huge. Where I came from is huge. Where I'm going is huge. Make sense? Okay. Second, what might be another way? What's another way to understand truth? Look outside, right? Myself. So I look at creation. I look at all the things that are outside of me and just try to somehow put dots together and things together and come up with some logical answer that I think might hold weight or something. Does that make sense? Um, okay. And then the third is to look to revealed truth. Revealed truth. So something is given to us that, that is revealed to us that people didn't know about before that was given. That's why it's called revealed, okay? It was unknown, no way for anybody to know about it, and then it became known. Make sense, everybody? Yeah? So in the scriptures, when you look at the scriptures, anybody want to guess how many prophecies were made in the Old Testament about Christ? Any thoughts? That's pretty good. It's actually only two-thirds, around 300, okay? around 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about the coming of Christ. Did you have any idea that that was true? Isn't that stunning? <laughs> you know what the great news is? Every one of them came true. Do you know what that is from the standpoint of probability? Anybody in here enjoy probability or statistics or anything? Okay. So, so the fact, the, the, the ability for 300 uh, prophecies to come true in a single person is what we call 10 to the 157th power. What does that mean? It means you put a 10 and you draw 157 zeros that way. Now, what does that mean? That's hard to kind of put, wrap your head around, right? Okay, so let's, let's dial it back a little bit. What's the chance that you have eight, not 300, eight, come true in a single person in the future? That's 10 to the power of, of eight. So when you, when you figure this out, uh, I'm sorry, 80. Eight, when you figure this out, um, l- let, me give, let me just give you something to wrap your head around as an example. So just the fact that eight... Would come true in in a single person in the future, not 300, would be like if I took, um, let's say this is, um, let's say this is a gold coin, and I and I took a magic marker and I red magic marker and I made a red on one one side, and I took it and I went out in the state of Texas. And in the state of Texas, I took this one gold coin, which happens to have red magic marker on one side, and I filled the entire state up two feet deep. Okay? And I went out someplace in that over the course of a, a day or two, and I hid that coin out there. Then I put a, a head wrap that you can't see out of on you. And I gave you a day... To go out any place in the state you want to and on one chance choose that choose one coin and the and the uh, and the probability that you would choose that one coin when you went out to find it when you can't see it all and you can't feel that it's got red marker on it now isn't that like crazy, and now that's what. 300 is. That is just stunning. And sometimes we just don't even realize what probability actually means in prophecy. So here's, here, here's the crazy news, right? Crazy news, guess how many there are, uh, guess how many um, prophecies are uh, in, the New Te- in the New Testament about the second, about, about the future. In the future. Second coming of Christ and in the future. All things prophetic, how many how many there might be here, okay, so this is four hundred approximately, so total of about seven hundred okay so you can quickly get a sense of like if three hundred all came true and it 's that, that, that level of a probability, then oh my goodness, like that 's crazy, amazing, does that make sense, and you can be incredibly. Confident in the scriptures as a result of prophecy. We don't talk about it much. This is very, very, very important to have that confidence. Make sense, everybody? Yeah? Okay. Um, So it's fallen off our radar screens. Um, When when I ask the question, what is going to happen in the future, how would you answer that? Okay. The world's going to end at some point as we know it. Going to die or be raptured. Something happens after that. <laughs> okay, there is going to be a judgment of some kind. Okay, okay. So there will be some type of a new heavens and new earth, whatever that looks like or it means. Something is going to have a thousand years of something. happening. Okay. okay. Well, th- th- those are. Th- th- that's. That's probably th- the extent that. You know most of us have of what's coming in the future, and so um how how does getting clarity to what's gonna happen in the future on this second question here affect me today um why or why not how does it does it and and if so how okay yes, and you need to be prepared i mean just if if what I just sh- shared with you is accurate and it is okay i mean that that alone says like. It's important, you know, what C.S. Lewis said. He said something about, you know, people spend more time planning a two-week vacation than they do their eternity. Yeah, pretty crazy. Um, so it is important, but why is it important? We actually talked a lot about heaven and ready to understand. Praise now that Easter awesome. Own benefit and for others. Yeah, and have a biblical view mm-hmm. of what heaven is, right? right? So. So why do you want that? One to be accurate, I suppose. Right? right? Yeah. Any other reasons why? Maybe. Yeah. Real time. Right. Real time what's happening yeah. there now? Right. right. Okay. Good. And and you said earlier you, you want you want to see those who you know in your life don't know Christ mm-hmm. come to Christ. Right. Let's take that last. Any others? Any other thoughts? Or let's take that last desire. That last desire. If I can't like if I don't think very highly of heaven because I don't know it, I don't know what it is I don't know what God has prepared for me really, if I don't know much about it how am i how will that affect my perspective of God how might it yeah yeah if 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 I believe that um that God Has created something unbelievable, amazing, like on steroids. Amazing. Um, What versus just kind of not knowing what what it is and kind of saying yeah, something in the future. Doesn't that like cause me to think much more highly of God? Don't you think? Yeah. And wouldn't it like if this is like where I'm going? as a believer versus not, wouldn't it cause me to want to commend that future place to other people <laughs> but if I don't know much about it or could explain what, what it's gonna look be or I mean that may it probably wouldn't make me really excited to want to explain it to somebody else, other than not wanting them not to be an eternity in hell. Make sense? So this is like of jugular proportions in our life. It's really, really important, if that makes sense. The crazy thing we're going to find is it actually will drive... My perspective of heaven will drive my perspective of God. My perspective of God will drive my ability to want to please God. My ability to want to please God will drive... How I make decisions in this life. Good. Um, all right, so John :44, what does it say? Anybody got that verse? There's no truth in him. So what, he, what Jesus is saying here is that like there isn't there literally is not one concept that comes out of Satan's mouth that you can rely on not like 99% true and percent false, therefore be careful of the 1%. He's saying 100% of the time, Satan speaks the opposite of God. 100% of the time. percent, 100%, <laughs> 100% of the time, he speaks the opposite of God. He is a liar from the beginning, and everything that comes out of his mouth is lies. Nothing that he says can be Considered true. Why is that? Because the standard here is 100% true. See, if the standard is kind of like it's 50%, you know, half there, half not, and therefore, you know, it's 75% good, so therefore I can probably wade into it. How many of you want to drink water with 25% poison in it? I mean, none of us would, right? So it's the, the standard is very different in God's, God's view. He's saying it's either truth or it's not truth. 1% poison, you got a problem. Satan is always something less than 100% true and accurate. Because I, I want to say that because, like, even the study we just did with Michael and the, about the garden, right? I mean, he said some true things, but the poison was there. The poison caused Eve and Adam to not think rightly about God. C.S. Lewis said, or um, A.W. Tozer said, the most important thing in our lives is how we think about God. Most important thing in our lives is how we think about God. And I found that to literally be true because how I think about God will affect or infect everything that that I, that, that, that I make decisions on. So, um, who he is and what he's done. Who he is and what he's done. Okay, so, lay that down. Satan always speaks something that's not true or a lie. Now, let's flip to Revelation 13. Somebody will read 6 through 9. Anybody? Through mouth to who dwell in to make war, and was given it over. Through, through 9... Through nine, through nine. Six through nine. Yeah. All who dwell on earth will worship the the Lamb. Okay. So it says he opened his mouth. Who's the he here? Well, it's really the beast. It's the beast, and and you're right to say what you said because Satan is actually indwelling this quote unquote beast. It's a human being, okay, who will become what we call Antichrist. Okay. So he's speaking through him. So it is the, lie, it's the very lies of, of Satan speaking through him. And he does what? He does three things. What's the first one? In verse uh, 16, 6. He opens his mouth to blaspheme what? God. God. Blaspheme his name. Okay, So he blasphemes his name. Blaspheming his name is actually blaspheming his person. So every time he opens his mouth, he blasphemes God. Blasphemes his person. He blasphemes his character and his conduct. He did it in the garden, right? He said, did God really say? Blah, 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 right? Okay. And what's the next thing he, he blasphemes? Okay, his dwelling place or tabernacle. Some versions. Anybody have a, dw- a different version? Yeah, so this is, his, this is, his, this is the place where he, he... Where's the place? Heaven. Right? So this is interesting, isn't it? So the person of God, he, he blasphemes. He blasphemes the place where God is, which is interesting because he's doing a great job keeping us from knowing what that looks like or is. Okay? And then what's the third thing he, he, he blasphemes? Yeah, those who live in heaven, right? So, he blasphemes the people of God. People of God. Blasphemes the people of God. And so, these are the three things that Satan is trying, is doing on a regular basis. Blaspheming God, blaspheming heaven, and blaspheming the people of God who live in heaven. And so, that becomes really critical for us to understand um how Satan works, and why this issue has become so under the under the rug, and not out in front, so to speak. Um, okay, uh, what are you looking for forward to, forward to learning uh, about in in our study of heaven? Let's maybe just go around the table here, and maybe you can share uh, just just share your name in case people might not know your name, and then what um, you're looking forward to. Study. Start. I'm Mary. Andrew. Okay. Great. Okay. Thank you. Anything else? Okay. My fatal study on it or whatever. Okay. Great. Thank you. Marty? Marty you already shared. You know, yeah. So grandkids more, and. Not for my own benefit. Yeah. Okay. Kristen Baker. Um, Just like I had said before, I think I've done more studies. Um, I'm Great. Sorry. Good. All right. Thank you, guys. Um, I hope that that, that we'll meet those objectives specifically. Um, So um, I've broken our – let's go to the second slide – second page, back side. Um, You'll see some fill-in-the-blanks here, too. Um, I'm going to go relatively quickly here because I want to jump to our timeline. But the the way I've broken up the uh, class – first of all, I've called it um, Learning to Long for Home and to Be Home Free – um, one of the things we're going to talk a little bit about is is um, I don't crave too many things in my life that I don't know very much about I, I don't crave them, like what do you crave? What do you crave? What do you love? Coffee in the morning love it <laughs> It's gonna be Starbucks, I know, but <laughs> chocolate, coffee. <laughs> good, yeah, Um, tacos, (laughs) so that's a great food, right, I don't know about you, but there's something inside my soul, when I I walk out into sunshine at 75 degrees, and there's not a cloud in the sky, and and it's got these colors that are like, just beautiful, and it's like, stunning, you know, creation, God's creation, it's just like, whoa, that just takes me back, like amazing, like, and so these little things that we just shared here are are foretaste, foretaste of heaven, say like we have coffee, Starbucks in heaven, I didn't say Starbucks, but (laughs) we'll come back to all these questions that you have, and all of us have them, okay, um, and we'll deal with them, um. But I just want you to begin the process of, of getting a sense that when God created this world back in Adam, Adam and Eve were here, he finished that and he called it what? Good, but even went beyond that. Called it very good, very good, very good. This is our creator who knows every second inch of how we've, been put together and he called it very good. It says to me that we we should have a slogan, back to Eden. <laughs> back to Eden. You know what? It's exactly what God's doing. Broken this whole Bible up into three chapters. Chapter one and two, he created it perfectly, called it very good. Chapter three literally is the fall. Chapter 4 of Genesis through chapter 22 of Revelation literally is God having a master plan to put it all back together again and make it better than it ever was before. It's amazing. And we will look at that and we will spend all of eternity pulling the golden threads through time to be able to see what God did to make this happen and we will stand in awe of his crazy, amazing, sovereign hand at work behind the scenes to achieve pulling off what no one thought could be done. And it will take us an eternity to literally call all those things out and speak of them and lift his name up. It's going to be amazing. That's what I want you to catch a glimpse of, is what God's got prepared for those who love him. Um, so I broke it into four weeks. Like I said, when we did this two years ago, uh, you know how long the class was? Well, I know. <laughs> it was just like two years and a quarter. <laughs> so... That's what I want you to understand. Back to your your point earlier, you said, "Kevin, is that I wonder if there's that much information in the scriptures to go through?" You know, from the standpoint of about heaven. Well, there is. There absolutely is. We just don't know. Um, so I'm I, I'm here to do the impossible, which is to which is to cover two and a quarter years in four weeks. <laughs> So we gotta get started, okay? <laughs> um, but uh, ne- next week's gonna be about looking beyond what we can see. It- it's very hard to talk about heaven if you don't understand what w- what exists beyond what we can touch and feel, okay? Just because we can't touch or feel something, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And that's gonna be some of the challenge we have. Um, third week is gonna be a biblical theology of heaven, and uh, fourth week is gonna be about um, Know, answering all your questions and um, leaving us with how do we think rightly about content that we've gone through and how should it affect our lives? Sounds to everybody? Okay, so let's get started. Um, I want to share with you one pilgrim's observations. Um, guess who the pilgrim is? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the pilgrim is me. So, I want to share with you some symptoms here that I see. There's four of them. First of all, the joy of the Lord is not normally our strength. Joy of the Lord normally is not our strength. I think each of us can think about times in our lives where it has undergirded and been our strength, but we probably don't live our lives with it being our strength. Um, Secondly, From my perspective, we hope in this world. Just kind of put it on the table. We hope in this world. We do not long for heaven. Um, Do a temperature check. You know, insert the thermometer in your own soul. I don't know about you. I can't speak to you. I can only speak to myself. I find myself vacillating between this world and that world. I'm caught in the middle of this world and that world. Um, We do not think as highly of Christ as we ought to because we don't know what heaven, like I said earlier. Um, And this last one here, from a symptom perspective, the very goal of our lives is to do these two things. These are the two things to do in our lives. First of all, We don't exalt Christ in the conversations of our lives. So as you meet with people, I mean, do you have a big goal when you talk with people? Is your big goal that when I leave their presence, I want to have said something that causes them to improve their estimation of God? Like that's that's one of my goals in life, if I can. I want to be able to say something, encourage them, do something, speak of something that would raise the water level of, of their estimation of who God is. And I'll tell you, when you get done with heaven, it'll put your heart on steroids because it is amazing. And so that's an encouragement, right? That's encouragement to me. It's an encouragement if I can share that with others. Um, and then secondly, um, uh, second goal here is to please God in the decisions of, of my life like I should. So what's, what's amazing is that every decision in my life, um, I, have a, I have a beautiful opportunity to either please myself or please God. Like this is a whole new way to think. Okay? Every decision in my life, I have this beautiful opportunity to either please God or please myself. So many times I, I choose to please myself. But he wants us to please him. If I don't think that there's value in pleasing him, meaning that he isn't going to see everything, remember everything, and reward everything, I won't care about pleasing him. I'm only going to care about pleasing myself. Back to your point of, of judgment, you know, there like they There are reasons behind me wanting to do what I want to do. Not have to do, but wanting to do those things. And I don't do them for the rewards. I want to do them because I want to please Him. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Some reasons. Um, We really don't know what heaven's going to be like. Therefore, we really don't know how awesome and great our God is. We don't know how awesome and great our God. So hopefully that will be part of what you get a chance to learn. All right. Solution. We, be, The solution to this uh, symptoms and, reason, and issues um, is to become engrossed with what the scriptures say about what heaven will be like. Become engrossed with what the scriptures say heaven will be like. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Uh, would somebody... Read verses uh, 1 through 4. How many of you heard this, this concept of being so heavenly minded that you're not any earthly good? Mm-hmm. It's a lie. <laughs> Scripture seemed to teach, is, and what was definitely true of the early church, find it literally inscribed in the catacombs, is that they were fixated on heaven. Fixated on heaven. According to this verse, he says, like, set your mind, if you've been raised up with Christ as a being a believer, what? Continually keep seeking the things above. What are the things above? It's the things where Christ is. It's the things of heaven. That's what he's saying, right? He says, set your mind on these things and not on the things that are on the earth. That is a lie. Those who are fixated on heaven actually have the framework of substance to make the right decisions in their life to please God and this earth and therefore will honor God here. Does that make sense? Huge. So um, become engrossed with what the scriptures say heaven will be like. The results in our lives um, become enamored with who God is. I started uh, in 2000. I had been... Um, I won't tell you how old I was in 2000, um, but it it was in the 40-somethings. And uh, on my birthday in 2000, uh, 10-4, 2000, I had one of those moments. uh, I I was born and raised in Nigeria. My parents were missionaries, and I have been a believer most of my life. And um, I had one of those moments that day that you can anchor back to um, my anchor to go back to that day was um, to ask myself a tough question, which was a scale of one to ten, ten being high, where would I place myself as being a worshiper of God? It's a tough question to ask. I spent my whole life being a believer, thought I was a worshiper of God, but and I was, but how mature was I in that most important space? And I had to grade myself after all that time, transparency and honesty, about a three to a four, and that set out set me out on a course that was to change my life, because um, I don't, I, I couldn't, I wasn't worshiping God for who He really was. I didn't know Him at the depth that I wanted to know Him at in order to be the best worshiper I could. When, when you go and you look at glimpses into heaven and you see people who are worshipers, they know how to worship because they've been c- cemented into the presence of God. Angels, holy angels, know how to worship. I felt like I, if I was honest and truthful, I was not a worshipper, so it set me on a course for years, number of years, to be able to learn the most I could about worship, learn the most I could about God. Whole journey, this study ended up becoming one of those pivotal points in that process too. Um, and so, um, become enamored with who God is, becoming the worshipper I always, I was always meant to be. You know, if I if I died and went to heaven. You know, would I would I just keep going in my ability to worship well? Or would I have, like, this high hurdle to jump over? I, 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 w- I would have had this high Um So become captivated by the blessed hope that he has planned for us. Um, Peter talks about this blessed hope, um, and we'll talk about it in a second also, as far as our objectives go. so the, So when we become engrossed in what the scriptures say about heaven, will become captivated with heaven. And last but not least, um, experience his abundant life and joy now because everything counts. One of the most important things I came to grips with um, from a quote perspective in my life was everything counts. Everything counts. Like everything counts. My decisions in my heart, day in and day out, when when I choose to please God in the moment, like that, actually, counts for eternity, and it changed every changed my entire perspective. Because I think I've shared with you that but I tried typing Yeah. In and then the rest. I have a long email, but it's all. But it, it does help me remember what you're saying. Interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, it's it is. It's so true, and uh, so it, so it, it 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 just causes everything in this life to have value and importance. And sometimes maybe it doesn't. Okay, good. Any comments there? Okay. Uh, this is a book by... After I got started on this study, I found this book, and it's a great book. I encourage you to to uh, get it and read it if you're able to. Um, it'll take you a little bit deeper. Randy Alcorn's a great author. Um, uh, Stu Weber says, other than the Bible itself, this may be, well be the single most life-changing book you'll ever read. Um, Rick Warren said, this is the best book on heaven I've ever read. Um, this is a study guide that goes with this. Uh, this is, interestingly enough, back to your point for kids, there, this is a great uh, 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 s- small uh, book for f- to go through with kids. Um, this one here, y- you've all heard of like the f- 40 days of purpose and 30 days of this, right? Um, this is this is a great one here, which is 50 Days of Heaven. Um, and then this one here is um, Biblical Answers to Common Questions. Uh, we're going to get into the questions, um, and, and they never stop, but this is a great book that just like pulls out of here all the questions and puts them in one place and deals with them there in that book. But Rand- Randy said this. He said, Thank you, Lord. Every joy heaven offers is a derivative of you. Of you who is joy itself. Heaven will be a thrilling adventure because you are a thrilling person. That's what I want you to catch. That's what I want you to to, to get out of our class. Thanks for being the source of all great adventures, including those awaiting us in the news. Um, So, in... In leading up to an overview and a timeline, what I want to give you is a few things here. So, you can follow along with me here. Some say the Bible speaks a little of heaven. I've shared with you. I don't think that's true. <laughs> okay? Explicit? Uh, tell you what. Uh, let's just go around the room. Does everybody feel comfortable reading? If you don't, that's okay. Uh, if you do, just go ahead and read. Take a bullet and read it, if you would. And Let's start here and go around this way, if you would. Um, Want to read? Yep, the today. second one. Yep. Explicitly and implicitly, the Bible is a book all about the future. Okay, Marty. The of the is being let's just let's just pause there for a second. I mean, I could literally take you to Ezekiel 38 and 39 and show you the countries that are involved in what we call Gog and Magog, Syria? and they they they're all around Syria. It's it's literally, hmm. I will pull Russia down, I will bring some all these pieces, and I can show you the, the picture of it, okay? And you'd go, oh my goodness, is do you know, it? What's it uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39, and do you know that never in the history of the world has there ever been an alliance, or even... A relationship between Russia and Syria and Turkey. This has to be in, in place for that war to happen. Stunning. Next one. Edge um. has been the underneath the light, Anaclisman conflict between... Groups. Coalesce, I'm sorry. a yeah, big word. Call the name. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> in okay. Keep going. You want keep going? Go ahead. Sorry. I'm to <laughs> sorry. What we believe and understand about heaven will declare or distort who we are. Okay. Yes, good. So let me hit a few learning objectives uh, here as we get started into our time. Um, first is that it um, is for the for the course itself is that it may teach you how to know your end and how transient you are. That it may teach you how to know your end and how transient you are. So many times we 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 feel like. You know we can't see the outside boundaries of our lives, and therefore we think you know we're permanent and whatever, and yet we this world is transient, it's very here today, gone tomorrow so what what lies outside those borders? Um, second is that you personally comprehend, appreciate, and intensely long for and recommend to others the place that's prepared for us place that's prepared for us intensely long for and recommend to others um, you don't have to turn to it but john 14 verses 1 through 3 um, uh, says G- jesus says says this he says um, let not your heart be troubled believe in me god believe also in me in my father's house are many dwelling places if it not we're not so i would have told you i go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Great. Uh, the third one here is to gain perspective. To gain perspective um, and to be able to make wise decisions in your life today so that it may go well for you perpetually. Gain perspective. I find that when I make decisions and I don't have context, I make stupid decisions. I mean, decisions that are for the here and now, not for what matters most. So, under, having context, which is this multi-dimensional pers- way of looking at any given situation, definitely with a spiritual dimension tied into it, really matters. Life. Um, fourth one I want to just hit on really quick is the, to purify ourselves to become more like Christ. Turn to First John. Turn to First John, chapter th- three. First John is just before Hebrews, uh, just before Revela- the Revelation. for Second, and Third John. Um, First John, chapter uh, three, verses two and three. Would somebody um, like to read that? Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be not yet appeared. Know that when He appeared, everyone who thus hopes in Him. When I found this verse, it rocked my world. Why? Because this is, the, this is the linchpin verse in my mind that connects the there and then with the here and now. What is it saying? It says that when we... First of all, we have no idea of what, what's yet to come. And, and it's going to be amazing because we are beloved and we are children of God. And we're going to be like Christ... So we're going to have a glorified state, an eternal state, in a place that's eternal. Okay, And he says, everyone who has gone about trying to put their arms around this truth, he says in verse 3, fixes their hope on Christ and purifies themselves just as he is pure. So he's saying when i wrap my head around the future like my ability to know and understand that like has everything to do with rising up in my heart decision making criteria to want to please him and become more like him does that make sense oh my goodness like when i found this verse these two verses it was it was so huge because Everybody had told me, like, that there is not connected to this here. And I heard that my whole life. And it was like, for the first time, I could go, na-na-na-na-na. Nana, nana. <laughs> Seriously, I could go, like, you don't get it. No way. It is connected. Everything does count. Um, huge. Um Next is that it strengthens the hope that lies within you. First Peter, I, when I taught First and Second Peter, um, th- this First Peter is just pregnant with our living hope. It is like, you know, uh, what is it? Um, uh, his name's Merkel, uh, Francis Merkel. Um, he was in the, he was in the uh, German, uh, Frankel. Um, anyway, he was he was in the German concentration camps and. and out, he, he wrote a book. He said the only thing that kept people alive in concentration camps, German, German concentration camps, hope. Hope. Hope matters to the soul. If I don't have hope, I, I, I won't want to live. And I can't go too long without hope. But if I have hope, I can go through almost anything there is. And our living hope is what we're talking about here. It is number four there. It's where I'm going. That is our living hope. Um, your passion for the lost grows exponentially. And last but not least, that you are forever transformed by this study so that your personal role in God's master plan grows to become conscientiously intentional and altered now and for eternity. Let me give you some insight. Like, if, if I am not intentional in my life, nothing I do will count for eternity. Say it again. If I am not intentional in my life, nothing I do will count for eternity. Why can I say that so strongly? Because my life, not in Christ, is wired to serve myself. It's wired to please myself. That's it. So for me to go outside of my desire to want to please myself and somehow want to please God, that's an act of my will that I have to act on. And that's intentional in nature. Does that make sense mm-hmm. to everybody? So for us to please God, here you, here, here's the so what. For us to please God, we have to make a, a decision. And how do we make decisions, good decisions? We have to have a biblical framework. We have to know how to make good decisions. And that comes from having um, uh, our ability to be understand ourselves in a, in a larger context, in a bigger plan, that is God's plan for man. It's God's plan for eternity. It's God's plan for what he's pulling off. It's his kingdom, not my kingdom. Make sense to everybody? All right. All right, let's uh, flip to the next slide here. And we're going to spend a couple minutes here talking this through. Um, I'm going to go relatively quickly. Um, this is um, uh, things which shall take place. Here we are right here, uh, this church age. Pentecost, what was Pentecost? What happened at Pentecost? His Holy Spirit gave his Holy Spirit. It was the beginning of the church, okay so this church age, which is about two thousand years, um, uh, is from Pentecost to a time yet to be known in the future. Um, there are differing perspectives, but I'm, i I want to be very clear that I believe personally that that the, that the scriptures teach that there is a, a point in time called a rapture that is very different than the return of Christ. There are 13 passages in the scriptures that explain these two, and they're very different, completely different. So there has to be something completely different. And so the end of the church age will occur at what we call the rapture. The rapture, if you've never heard of that before, is... When Christ comes from heaven and he takes or snatches away those who are believers and takes them to be with him. It's, it's the John passage we read. He says, I, he says, I go to prepare a place and if I go, I will what? I will come back and I will take you with me that where I am, which is different than where you are, you also will be. Make sense? Yeah? Okay? So there's this thing called the rapture, and there's this thing called the return. And in between these two, what we do is we refer to both of those as the second coming of Christ. Okay? Now, if we were to double-click into this time period that's the next slide. So flip to the next slide. We're not going to get through all this, but I'm going to paint the picture for you. And you can go on your own quest with the. I've put the passages on here so that you personally can go in and actually study it for yourself. And any questions you have, I'd be glad to talk those through. But look here. This is called the, the tribulation period, right? So if you flip back here, that's this period here called the tribulation period, okay? It's a seven year period very clearly in Scripture called out to have three and a half years and three and a half years, okay? And so when you flip to the next slide, what does it say? Tribulation period here, okay? Sometime before that is this thing called the rapture, okay? Sometime after it is this thing called the return. Follow me? Okay? And this three and a half years is on this side, another three and a half years here, The second three and a half years here is called something different. It's called the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation. Or Jacob's Trouble. Jacob's Trouble. Now, if you were to look up these scriptures, you would find um, that both Daniel and Matthew call it this. They call it the Great Tribulation. Okay? Now, in the first... uh, Maybe with your pen, if you want, up here, up above, just write this out. I'm going to talk about the chapters in Revelation for you, okay? I'm going to, I'm going to connect the dots for you, okay? Revelation chapter 1 would be before this starts, okay? Revelation chapter um, 2 and 3 are this, th- this right here, church age, okay? Okay? Two and three, Uh, Revelation four and five is before this starts, right in here. Revelation four and five, okay. Revelation six through nineteen, here you see it here. Six through nineteen, over here, from here over over to here. This is Revelation twenty, and this here is Revelation twenty-one and twenty-two. So Revelation twenty here, Revelation twenty one and twenty two here. Okay, got everybody got it so far. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we'll flip back to here. In the first half of so, first of all, what is the tribulation period? This is like of utmost importance to get. When when this happens here, this is the church age. Who, what is the church age about? What's it for? Of who? Of who? Primarily? Non believers for sure, yeah. So the church the church, Jesus came and he and he came to his people, the Jews. And he they didn't believe him, remember? They put him on a cross, right? So at the very end of just before he he was ca- he was captured, he, he was in He was in the temple and he turned his back on them. He said, What? Because you haven't believed, okay, I'm going away. And from that moment on, we have Christ bringing Paul, Paul to become a believer. And who was Paul's primary focus on? Gentiles, non Jews. So the primary purpose of the church age is to reach the world for Christ, the non-Jewish world for Christ. That's the primary... Not that some Jews won't come to Christ, but the vast majority of them won't. He says in, in, in Romans chapter 9, he says like he's literally put, put blinders on Jewish people for the most part to coming to Christ. Some do, in his grace... But the vast majority of the purpose of God and the plan of God is that the church age is is primarily towards Gentiles. Okay, got it? Now, Gentiles who are believers are taken out of this world. What is the purpose then of the tribulation period? Two things, bottom left. Refine and purify his people, the Jews. And so what you're going to find is the purpose of this time is that by the end of this time, by the end of this time, Right here, all Jews, yet still alive on planet Earth, will come to Christ. All Jews will come with Christ at that end. That's in, in Romans chapter 9. Okay? And so the second is to demonstrate his wrath on, on the world. So remember when Pot- Potiphar in Egypt had all those... Uh, um, all the things happen, you know, uh, be, before he would let the people go. Mm-hmm. All, the, all the situations that God caused. What was he doing by bringing those, pot to, not, not Potiphar, was it Potiphar? Yeah, not Potiphar, but uh, Pharaoh. The, the, what was he doing to Pharaoh? He was showing his wrath, but he was also, in, by doing that, he was bringing him decisions, Make a decision, make a decision. You can repent, you can repent. Never will, never will. And he was taking through 10 or however many plague. plagues, plagues. Um, he, w- he was solidifying Pharaoh's choice of his heart. His heart was hardened. And the scriptures let, actually vacillate between, like, okay, did Pharaoh harden his heart or did God harden his heart? You know what the answer is? is God? Both. God brought the plague. Gave Pharaoh a chance to harden his heart. He said no. God brought another one. He said no. Could he have said yes? Probably. And that just kept going. But, but by the end of the ten plagues, <laughs> Pharaoh's heart and the condition of his soul was solidified f- for eternity. Does that make sense? And so God is in the process of doing that also through this time period. He's, there will be nobody by the time this is over who will say, yeah, but God... <laughs> yeah but there will be no yeah buts in heaven <laughs> in, in the judgment day okay. and so um, this whole time frame this first half here is, is broken into the rise of this world kingdom and, and this interesting individual called Antichrist Antichrist will rise up he will put together a, a worldwide kingdom and a one world religion Okay. And the scriptures talk about what we call the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You've heard that terminology. That is these, of the seal judgments, it's the first four things. Antichrist, war, famine, disease. That that comes into existence in the first half, but continues all the way through. So um, these four begin. The next ones are martyrdom, cataclysmic, Uh, things going on, and trumpet judgments. So you'll see over here the seal judgments are here. Go look them up. Check them out. Okay? The trumpet judgments are here. They're in the second half of that Great Tribulation period. Bull judgments are out here also. And they're all, they're all this reverberating, ever increasing, thunderous earthquake process for planet earth romans 8 talks about the the whole of creation is going is is groaning to be completed and to come back into be redeemed and then this is going if you look down below let's this was back when we had 7 billion people right but um, i think there's 8 or something like that now so let's 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 say for a second that um, uh, about one point four billion are believers and and they leave the earth through this process in the end, by the end of the first half of the tribulation period what we see is that about a about drops to a fourth of mankind is killed and and it keeps going down here many died through through this one um, all these here mass destruction but Bottom line is that seventy five to 85 percent of all mankind um, are killed through this process uh, of the tribulation It's a massive amazing crazy thing and so this 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 antichrist okay comes on the scene and at this point in time here um, shuts down this one world religion and actually turns it to emperor worship and it this point in time, he sacrifices a pig on the altar, the next temple's altar, which they're ready to build now, um, in Jerusalem, and, and sets himself up as, as the one to be worshipped, not God. And so that happens right here at this midpoint. That throws the Jews who are alive on planet Earth into, like, sanity, Right? Um, and then the persecution starts in the second half. That's where you see martyrdom. You see a lot of different things, but there's huge economic and and military conquest and dominance that Antichrist has during that time. Okay, and and that final conflict called Armageddon is is where we see that happen. And so that occurs. And then as they're as they are. Coming against uh, believers and in, in um, Jerusalem, that's when Christ comes. And where does Christ come back? Remember, where does He come back to? Physically, where He left, which was which was on the Mount of Olives, literally like right. Ne- I mean, you can like throw a stone and hit the temple. <laughs> it's it's right there. And so he's going to come back right there. And he will bring with him all of the people who are believers who have died in the past. And so that's when he comes back. And so that then brings us right here. And so he wins this incredible war. And we have what we call believers and non-believers entering into this kingdom period, which we, according to my note, I said... Revelation chapter 20 says this is a thousand year period. That Christ will be on earth. He will rule the entire earth. He brings with him all believers who are immortal in nature. And so you have mortal and immortal um, beings on the earth during this thousand years. Okay, Both. And at the beginning of this time, there's this thing here where God will take and he will put Satan in a box. We're going to talk next week about what that is. But he's going to put Satan in a box for a thousand years. What's fascinating is that he judges all non-believers at the beginning, at the end of this tribulation period. Okay? Only believers, mortal and immortal, enter into the kingdom. But they have kids, Mortal, mortals have kids. let do that time frame. And what's fascinating is in a thousand years, the heart of mankind, even without Satan around, reverberates to sin. Rises up by the end of that thousand years against God again. There's another final, final conflict right here. In that final conflict, obviously Christ wins. Um... And so you have this these orders of, of uh, resurrections here believers who died in the church age okay they are they are raised here it says in the rapture when Christ comes back they will receive their new bodies and so in heaven today they are in heaven today we'll talk more about that next week but those who are in heaven today have some type of an interim Body, because they will receive their glorified body, their eternal bodies, at this point in time. Here, so then, Old Testament saints and, and saints from the who die during this period time, they will be raised at this point in time before the millennial kingdom. Talk more about that too. Okay, and then last but not least, the unsaved of all the ages will will rise here for the great white throne judgment. This is a time when only non-believers, uh, non-believers for all time are judged. Okay? And then at that point in time, they would be banished um, to, to hell. We'll talk more about that next week too. All those who are believers enter into new heavens and new earth, which you mentioned earlier. Um, but the, both of these are what we call the eternal estate. The eternal estate, meaning that they both are eternal in nature. Does that make sense? So that's an awful lot to devour and kind of think through. But I've given you these two pages so that you can actually, on your own, kind of look at some of this stuff. Does that make sense? And you will have some questions. That's okay. Let's talk about those next time we get together at the beginning. Um, And I'd be willing to kind of talk through any one of these at all that makes sense. But I wanted to give you context. Does this give you context? Yes. Okay, and and I'd be glad to work through any and all of those things. I, I believe the scriptures are clear. I believe that other people who have differing perspectives, it's okay, as long as um, you know they can support it with scripture, but I do believe the scriptures are clear personally. Um, I think they're knowable, so I believe you can you can know these things. You know, if this changed to here and this did that and this and that, okay, let's talk it through. You know, it's not like as though it's it's uh, you know You can still be a believer. Exactly. That. <laughs> exactly. Okay. That's what I wanna be really clear about, you know, as we close, because um, the key issue here is that um, is that God is going to achieve a great victory and he's going to accomplish chapter three scriptures that we broke it up to be and that's where we're going forward with is to really understand that top yellow portion there next week and then three weeks does that make sense to everybody mm-hmm. marty would you close in prayer sure Lord, thank you for you some desire thank you, desire. Amen. Thank you. All right. Have a great week. And like I said, go look at these on your own. And then beginning of our time next week, we'll answer any of your questions about what we've talked about so far there. Thank you.